The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program, WNKV, Maple Knoll Communities, its staff or management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investments. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on 89.3 FM WNKV. And now your host, Vina Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vina Jones-Cox, and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing, where this week, as every week, we're putting folks just like you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. And we've got some great news this week regarding bacon. Real life real estate investing is now overtaking bacon in its number of fans on Facebook because that's right. That's right. Because in the past week, real life real estate investing has doubled its number of fans to 419, where bacon has only increased by 10% to 239,000. We're we're going to beat this. We're going to beat this bacon thing, by golly. You can become a fan of Real Life Real Estate Investing by going to realliferealestateradio.com. It does require that you have a Facebook account, but by golly, join the 100 million other people who have a Facebook account and just get a Facebook account and become a fan of Real Life Real Estate Radio because... When you do that, we will notify you each week of the upcoming topics, and uh, we're going to have some uh, reports and articles by our guests. There's some video up there of um, the radio show. I know, video of the radio show. But there's also a place where you can download the last 100 episodes of Real Life Real Estate, so it's really worth doing. RealLifeRealEstateRadio.com. You can also follow Real Life Real Estate on Twitter by going to Twitter.com slash REGoddess. Twitter.com slash REGoddess, and you will be... Uh, sent an update just before the show each week to remind you that it's time to tune in. The Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati has its annual Investor Rehabber and Landlord Trade Show next Thursday, not tomorrow, a week from Thursday, up at the Clarion on Pfeiffer Road. This event will have about 40 or 50 vendors and service people who have products and services you need every day in your real estate business, people that you can help build your team with, like accountants and contractors. And it's free to attend, open to the public, only happens once a year. You really want to get to this thing. Uh, you can get more information at CincinnatiRIA.com or at 859-292-RIA, including information about how to become a vendor and talk to several hundred local real estate investors. Enough with the bookkeeping and the housekeeping and the chit-chat. Got a very special guest today, Mitch Painter from the Painter Development Group, who is an extremely successful young man and has done a whole bunch of different things in real estate over the course of about the last nine or ten years. And what we're really going to talk about today is just sort of sort of uh, the the arc of his business and how it works and what he's doing and we're going to take your calls at 772-9658-877-772-9658 or via askvina at gmail.com. Uh welcome to the program Mitch. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Um, I'm I'm excited to have you here because usually, like our, our our programs have a really specific topic. Like we're going to talk about short sales, or we're going to talk about finance, and we're talking about something like that. It's not what we're doing today. What we're doing today is we're just gonna we're just gonna discuss as an example of how people get from beginning investor to 
full-blown investment business, how you have done that. So let's let's just start out by telling the folks how, how it was you got started in real estate. Sure. Well, I started uh, buying my first two family in Clifton on Warner Avenue when I was going to the University of Cincinnati, and I did all the work myself on the building and uh, learned a lot of things, made a lot of mistakes, and, and slowly grew over time. I started wholesaling, got in with some some folks, some mentors that uh, you know introduced me to wholesaling. I took, of course, Venus class, 201, and um, that really helped jumpstart my career, and, and I started wholesaling and got in-depth with wholesaling, and that's uh, really what continues to pay my bills uh, to this day. We still wholesale a lot of properties and uh, all over Cincinnati, single families um, that need a lot of work. And I continue to do about two or three wholesale deals a month to uh, generate cash, pay the bills. And um, But uh, over time, I've built up my portfolio of apartments, and now we only buy large apartment buildings uh, is our focus in two niche areas here, which I would consider uh, B areas, um, B class areas, maybe B minus up to even A minus being Hyde Park. Um, and we've built that over time. So I started buying a two family, learned, learned a lot, made a lot of mistakes, lost money. And, uh, it was a valuable lesson and slowly over time grew. I bought four families and six families and three families and some single families all around the university of Cincinnati. And um, uh, learned a lot about dealing with tenants, did everything myself, learned all about tenant interaction, property management, leasing, uh, all the repairs, all the fun stuff that goes with it. And then uh, my twin brother, Matt, uh, joined me in 2003, and then we really uh, uh, started amping things up. And now we own 140 units, apartment units within Clifton and Hyde Park. And uh, we are actively looking to build our portfolio and mm-hmm. plan to get up to 200, 250 units would be would be a um, conservative mm-hmm. place for us to be. Now, it, <clears throat> you, you, you did something sort of interesting here that's different from the way a lot of real, real estate investors are. Yeah, most people, though, they start out in a kind of property and they stay in that kind of property forever and ever. I mean, if, if, if they're single family home people, they're single family home people. If they're apartment people, they're apartment people. Was it your plan all along to move into the bigger units or was that just something that happened as time went by? Right. That slowly, uh, that was a slow progression. Um, it was something that happened after we started realizing it's going to take us forever to get to where we want to be. Uh, with the single families and nothing not that there's anything wrong with single families there's tons of folks that do that but for for the area that we're in having a lot of large apartment buildings available um, all within a small you know one mile radius um, it makes a lot it made a lot of sense for what we were looking to do both financially and for daily operation you know sending a man sending your management maintenance team all around town to uh, two or three hundred single family houses to deal with all that stuff it would be be pretty difficult for us to do that uh, and the cost of that. So leveraging our, our people's time was very important uh, to us. And um, beyond that, also having one heating system, one, one boiler, one water line, one roof, um, we buy mainly 25 to 35 unit buildings. So having all 25 tenants at one building where the leasing agent can go there, deal with them all, you know, collect rents, post notices, whatever she needs to do, show apartments. Instead of having to run around town to 25 different single family houses, it's a lot of uh, extra cost doing that. So to be cost effective, that's kind of why we moved in into that asset class. When we come back, we're going to discuss with Mitch his uh, um, 
more about his apartment business, also uh, talk to him about his development business. But most importantly, we want to take your calls at 772-9658 or 877-772-9658. Even if you're from out of the area, there's a lot Mitch can tell you about how to build a real estate business. Uh, You can also email us at askvina at gmail.com. Hey kids, have you checked out Vina's website yet at realliferealestate.com? I don't care that you're driving. Learn to multitask. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today is Mitch Painter of the Painter Development Group. Now, you haven't heard of him because he's not a guru. He doesn't go around the country and talk about real estate. He just, like, buys real estate. So, like if you want to buy real estate, he would be a really good person to ask questions at 772-9658 or 877-772-9658 or send us an email uh, at askvina at gmail.com. Um, now, Mitch, you, you we talked a little bit before the the break about that uh, you started out in, in the smaller, you know, one, two, three family homes moved up into much larger buildings, 25 to 35 units being your preference and some of the reasons why you uh, prefer the apartment building, the, the larger the larger properties. Um, just for the sake of the folks who don't know the Cincinnati area and aren't familiar with like Hyde Park and Clifton and those things, um, what what is it that you're really looking for in a building? Well, there's a lot of things. You know, your area is very important. It is to me, and there's a lot of folks that will do apartments that aren't in great areas and do well at it and have a good system set in place. But for me, the least amount of management hassle is possible. There's a lot of costs involved with turnovers and management hassle with I would what I would classify as C or uh, below class properties. I, uh, my brother and I work with a lot a lot of out of state investors looking to buy properties, apartment buildings in Cincinnati, and there's just um, a lot of people that will gear folks to, you know, D or F class properties, and particularly if you're out of state. But uh, but either way, I try to really tell people to focus on class you know, C plus or above, C plus to all the way up to A if you can. Now, you're going to sacrifice some cash flow, but, you know, what our goal is to learn is to own these assets long term, to pay off our debts as quickly as possible. We use our existing cash flow to pay down our debts, so our mortgages will be paid off 12, 15 years max. And to own an asset that you're proud of that you can always rent very quickly, that's an excellent condition where you have excellent tenants um, with great credit, and you don't have to to deal with a lot of the other stuff. So uh, that's my system. I'm not I'm not advocating that you can't make another system and do well and at other properties. But I would say that when looking at cash flow, a lot of people buy buy buildings that uh, look like they cash flow flow great, and they they get into it and they don't realize all the extra headache and cost involved uh, with your management maintenance hassle. So when you're allocating for your expenses, you need to really factor on that. And then also, what kind of quality of life do you want to have? And in uh, owning properties that are in not so great parts of town, um, you're going to have a lot of headaches that you might not have expected. So definitely make sure that you know what you're getting into there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, do you have any preferences as to things like unit mix? I mean, do you 
do efficiencies? Do you try and stick with two bedrooms? Anything of that nature? Yeah, we definitely, uh, most of the buildings that we buy are one one and two bedroom apartments, and there's usually a mix uh, in the larger buildings that were all built in about the same time. But there's a lot of turnover with studios, so we always try to shy away from efficiencies in studios whenever possible. Mm-hmm. And and is there anything else that's kind of a, a deal killer? I mean, do, 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 you, do you have to have off-street parking? Do you, I mean, just... Yeah, it depends. In our, in our area, um, being around the university, off-street parking is, is hard to come by, so we, we always really hope to have that if we can. It's not going to be a deal killer, but we look for off-street parking. We look for a lot of other things, you know, but accurately estimating your repair costs of what you're going to have to put into the building, you know, these larger buildings, you know, uh, it's not like with a single-family house and replacing a furnace costs you, you know, three to five grand. It's, uh, you know, a boiler system isn't cheap, so... Um, when you're looking at the roof or the boiler and all those things, you really need to make sure that you that you have somebody that's mentoring you, that knows what they're doing, that can help guide you throughout that process. You have a good inspector. You know what you're getting into. Um, so it's uh, dealing with bigger properties. You just have to be more careful. But there's a lot more reward um, and leverage with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a question uh, that just came in via the uh, askvina at gmail.com uh, uh email address which by the way is where you listener would want to send an email unless of course you wanted to call 772-9658 or 877-772-9658 this one's from robert in hudson ohio he says do you find that you have more tenant problems with multifamilies than singles because the tenants live closer together more complaints about noise privacy etc uh, not at all. Uh, we find the opposite, actually. Being around the university, um, our four-bedroom and five-bedroom houses have more, they're more likely to see parties and so forth. Our our single, our um, apartment buildings, I'm sorry, are very, very quiet. We screen our tenants extremely well. Uh, if you're under 23, you have to have a parental co-signer uh, for every tenant that lives in that apartment. Same for our houses. But when you get four or five kids together, they tend to party more versus a one- or two-bedroom apartment. There's not not a lot of partying going on and not a lot of that. So, um, you know, because we pre-screen very well and because we are picky in who we let move into our buildings, they have to fit a certain criteria. Um, uh, it, it definitely uh, keeps things pretty quiet. Mm-hmm. And Robert has a second question. Is it the responsibility of the landlord to replace the light bulbs? And a rental property. (laughs) (laughs) That's arguable. Um, Usually we do. um, You know, it just depends on the tenant. If they want us to do it and they're asking and they've been a great tenant, you know, we'll go and do that for them. We're not going to make a top priority. They're going to be last on the list. But we've got a lot of other fires to put out and, uh, you know, things like that. So. Yeah, in multifamilies, Robert, definitely in the common areas. It's your responsibility to keep them safe and well lit. But trust me, in single family homes... You don't have to go change your tenant's light bulbs. And make sure you're using low compact fluorescent bulbs as well. They're going to use 13 watts versus 60 watts. It could save you some money, and it's the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. So every guest on the show for the last two years has wanted to comment on the the market, <laughs> the, the way things are right now. And what I've been hearing from a lot of apartment and commercial folks is that the financing market for that uh, type of property, although it lagged the residential, there was about a year and a half after the whole subprime market fell apart, that that apartments and commercial uh, properties were still very easy to finance, that it is now getting difficult to find good financing uh, on these sorts of properties. Has that been your experience? Yes, yeah, it definitely is, is more difficult. You know, you need to be a strong borrower, which 
you know luckily we are you have to have a good track record when i started it was not it was not hard at all it was easier to get a loan for a 25 unit building than it was a four unit building so uh it's changed drastically the banks and what they're looking for they're obviously just being more conservative i would recommend to folks to go to the smaller branch banks your small community banks and develop a relationship with those folks uh, in whatever manner that you can, uh, these larger banks have a certain box that you have to fit into, and if you don't fit into their box, and most of the bigger banks aren't even doing commercial bigger apartment buildings at all. So, um, also we're exploring the opportunity of any owner financing, you know, and I would ex- encourage listeners to do that as well whenever possible. Uh, you know, and a lot of folks, a lot of sellers we've talked to have been a lot more open to that because they'd much rather have a seven percent guaranteed return and then deal with the volatility in the market. So um, you will find, I think, that folks are a little bit more open to it these days. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that, that financing situation may be about to get worse. There was a, a big article on the front page of the Wall Street Journal last week about how uh, the banks that did not pass the stress test and are being required now to hold more money in their reserves uh, are not going to be cutting that out of residential lending. They're going to be cutting mm-hmm. it out of investment and commercial lending. So... Yeah, learning how to own or finance at this point. If you're a uh, if you're if you're serious about buying commercial properties, is probably the way to go. Uh, questions for Mitch? Give us a call at seven seven two nine six five eight or eight seven 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 two nine six five eight. Don't be shy. I know there's a ton of things you'd like to know about this guy's business, and <laughs> don't depend on me to ask your question because I don't know what it is. You can also send us an email at by going to or not by going to. You can send it to askvina at gmail.com. So, Mitch, in addition to all of this apartment and apartment stuff and wholesaling, you're also building properties, which is is, is, that's that's a very unusual move for a real estate investor to make. Generally, people are either in the development business or they are in the real estate business and they are are very different businesses. Uh, Why did you decide to get into, into that particular field? Uh, it's, it's just been a natural progression for us, I think. You know, I became very interested in the lead certification process and green, the green movement in general, which we've implemented throughout our rental uh, program. We can talk about more about that, our new Live Green, Live Smart um, program that we've implemented with, within um, our, our personal uh, rental business. But um, we just saw a, a demand in the market with no uh, new construction available in the, in the neighborhood that we're working in. Now, I would not advocate building new houses right now in 95% of the neighborhoods. The neighborhood that we're building in is an A-plus, uh, one of the best neighborhoods in Cincinnati and is very desirable. So we've been able to, to do that and do well. Um, and we just build one or two single family houses at a time. We've been involved in uh, commercial and retail projects in the past that were that didn't that didn't come to fruition when the when things went uh, went south and um, those projects got put on hold. So uh, we're always exploring new potential and opportunity. We're we're always working with folks on different sites and doing um, doing our due diligence to find find a site for upcoming projects that that I would like to do. Mm-hmm. And are you finding that the the sale market for that kind of property in that A plus kind of neighborhood is is strong? It's extremely strong. Yeah, we have four people interested in the house right now that we're building on observatory, and it's just um, it's it's very strong. We just got under roof. Uh, the rough in on our uh, electrical, plumbing, and everything is is done. And our cousin that just built um, three houses as well is. Uh, sold every sold every one prior to uh, 
um, being finished. So um, we think that we can come to a deal with one potential buyer right now, and uh, um, we don't even have the drywall up or anything like that. So <laughs> it's just a market that there's a demand for. So if you can find a demand in a market and fill that demand, it's just the same same thing as anywhere. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm talking today to Mitch Painter of the Painter Development Group here in Cincinnati, Ohio. And we're taking your calls at 772-9658 or 877-772-9658. When we come back, we're going to talk to Mike, who is uh, called on line one, and answer any questions that you might have as well. You can also email them to askvina at gmail.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I am your host, Vina Jones-Cox, and we are talking today to Mitch Painter, who is a local investor here in Cincinnati who has done very, very well. And I should mention that all of this has happened before Mitch was 30 years old, in case you're imagining that like, this, is, this is a 30-year career we're talking about here. No, it's a 30-year life. And he's wholesaling Two, three properties a month, buying big apartment buildings, building greenhouses. I know you've got questions at 772-9658 or 877-772-9658. Let's go to line one and talk to Mike. Mike, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Hi. Hey, Mike. Did you have a question for Mitch? Yeah, I would. Um, he uh, rents one and two bedrooms in uh, Clifton and Hyde Park, and I, I'd like to know what are his criteria for prospective tenants and how does he screen them and what does he think the most important issues are when he's screening tenants? Excellent question. Sure. Well, the first thing we want to we want to look at is their criminal history, their eviction history. They can't have any criminal or eviction history. And then they must have a parental cosigner of under the age of 23. Those are the big things that we look at. We also look at income, and we have a formula that we use that they must fit. You know, usually folks will say they must have three, make three to four times the, the amount that their rent is. I think that'd be a standard thing that you'd look for. But, um, you know, a lot of the tenants that we deal with being at, around the university is uh, they're getting loans or usually mom and dad are paying. So if mom and dad are strong with, with, a, with a strong income or, or so forth, then it just depends on the, on the situation. Okay. Do do you have many people that break a lease, or do do you have trouble with that, or do you go after them when they break a lease? Oh, heck yeah, we go after every single penny. Uh, You you have to, and we've had to do that since the beginning, and if anyone breaks a lease, we'll, you know, try to resolve it with them, you know, without going to court, but uh, a lot of times they they might not um, be willing to talk, or they might have just moved out in the middle of the night, and that's fine. We'll file suit the next day, and put a put a judgment on their on their credit and um when they decide to get their life together then we'll we'll be standing in line and, and uh you know hope at some point that we'll get the money back but you never can count on it. No. But we do have folks that do that. They you know here and there you're going to have folks that move out although we've been pretty good. Uh we we stay between 98 and 100% occupied. We're very vigilant in our oh. in our management. Um we screen extremely well and that helps us um uh, get great tenants in there. You know, you, people are going to have situations that come up, and but a lot of our tenants will let us know, give us a heads up. Hey, you know, I'm not going to be able to stay for the whole lease. You know, I'll try to find somebody, and we kind of work with them, and and usually we're able to find somebody to take their place in their lease. Uh, there's a strong demand in our market, so uh, that's another reason to be in 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 a good rental market where there's a demand. You'll always be able to rent those units. And, um, you know, the second that we hear that somebody might be moving out, if we might get a whisper from a neighbor who's a cousin of somebody that lives at our building that they might be moving out in three months, 
we find out immediately that day, you know, I want to know in five minutes if that person's moving out. And if they are, you know, we'll have an ad up all over and, you know, ads up and signs up and, and uh, try to get that apartment, you know, pre-leased for when that person's moving out. We're not going to wait until a person moves out and then try to do some work and then yeah. maybe. <laughs> and we'll go in and do the work prior to them moving out within reason, you know, just to get it spruced up and get it get it showing well. Okay. Hey, thanks a lot. Yep. Thanks for calling, Mike. Thank you for your call, Mike. And you can give Mitch a call with any questions you have about his real estate business at 772-9658 or 877-772-9658 or send us an email by going to uh, askina at gmail.com. Not going to, I can't get past that askina thing. Uh, Sending an email to askvina at gmail.com. Uh, Ken in Los Angeles asks if renting units near colleges and to college students, cosigners are great, but what about summertime? Do you rent to them all year, whether they live there or not, during the summer? This is a question that I get all the time, and contrary to popular belief, the majority of our students stay. Uh, they're in, they usually have a job, or they are, a lot of them go to the summer school program here, so um, the majority of our tenants stay. And the, the few that go home, they keep paying rent. And majority of the time, mom and dad are paying rent. So we're very firm and very strict with a 12-month lease. There's no no questions, no way about it. But I'd say 90 to 95% of our tenants stay. So we, we don't have that problem. I think that's a myth. And that might vary, you know, according to around the universities. You might want to talk to um, uh, folks that own uh, rental units around your universities. So it changes. And our university here, school starts in September. Uh, so we are pre-leasing for September right now. We're fifty over. We're almost sixty percent pre-leased for September. So, and that's through September two thousand and ten. So we don't wait, you know, for apartment to go vacant. Like I said before, we're pre-leasing and um, we're able to do that because of the demand in the market. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you have questions, seven seven two nine six five eight eight seven 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 two nine six five eight. Boy, this would be a good day to ask questions about wholesaling apartment wholesaling comma apartments <laughs> comma although wholesaling apartments as well i understand so um development uh, uh green housing whatever you like asking at gmail.com is the email address 772-9658 or 877-772-9658 are the numbers to call uh now mitch one of the things that i really wanted to to to, to get to today you have a you have a lot of irons in the fire and I don't want people to be sitting there thinking it's Mitch running around showing units and and painting turnovers and you know dealing with all this stuff or even that it's Mitch and Matt there are many people that it takes to create a business like this so can you talk a little bit about how you've how you've organized and staffed the business yeah, definitely. And, you know, my real estate career is very, very important to me, but also living life is important to me and having a balance, you know, being able to play golf, do yoga, other things I love to do. So you can't do everything yourself. And one of the first things that I did when I was able to is brought on help. And we've consistently made that investment over time. We have seven folks, um, two girls in the office and then um, guys out in the field, subcontractors and, and hourly employees. Uh, my little brother Ross works for us as well, and um, he does a great job 
with a lot of things. So the biggest investment, the best investment you can have is people. And when I talk about that, it's all about getting the right people on the bus and the wrong people off the bus. You have to have excellent exemplary help that are willing to do whatever it takes to go above and beyond to see the, the mission of, this, of the business through and to be available when, it, things, when they're needed. You know, it might be 3 o'clock in the morning and they don't feel like getting out of bed, but there's a, a water emergency or there's some emergency that they're going to have to tend to. Uh, so that definitely is not my, uh, not me. So you know, in order to build, you know, to this point or to any point close to it, you need help. So even if you're someone that's part time that that has you know ten, fifteen, twenty rental houses or apartments, God forbid, it's that you're doing all the work yourself, showing all the apartments, doing all that stuff. Uh, give yourself a break. At least hire somebody for ten, fifteen, twenty hours a week to start running your errands and doing, showing some apartments, you know, uh, maybe doing some of the work, take some load off yourself. So then you can start to free up your mind and you can start to think creatively and you can start to think of ways to run your business more efficiently um, and um, just creative ways to, to grow your business. Uh, if, you, if you're always doing all the petty stuff yourself, you're not going to be able to have time to spend uh, to replenish yourself and to, uh, to creatively think about how to build your business. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And with a business that size, um, we talk about inside teams and outside teams. You know, the people who work in the office are actual W-2 employees, people like bookkeepers and receptionists right. and phone answerers. And, and then there's the outside team, which is going to consist of people like the contractors who do your turnovers and rehabs and uh, sometimes property managers are outside teams. Sometimes they're inside team, depending on if it's a resident manager and so on. Uh, what is your inside team versus outside team look like? The inside team are just like you said, the people, the folks in the office and the outside team for the most part are the, the guys in the field that, that come and go. But the folks that have been around for a while are on payroll. So it just varies. And, you know, you got to make sure that you follow the guidelines according to what the government, the federal government says, who's an employee and who's not. You know, if they work X amount of hours, if they're only working for you, if they have their own tools, if they use your tools, there's a lot of guidelines that folks need to look into and make sure that they follow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, but it's definitely huge. I want to stress the importance of creating a team atmosphere and getting folks that are willing to do whatever it takes to go above and beyond to, to sacrifice for your business um, and make it feel like they're, it's their business, too. We just recently enacted a, de- uh, a democratic process for all of our hiring. I don't hire. I don't fire. I don't do any of that stuff. We take votes, and you have to have a majority. People can call a vote at any point in time if they want to fire someone, and they have to get the majority of the folks to, to fire because I have no idea what's going on in the field. I, I a lot of times have no idea what's going on. Um, with my guys out in the field, and, and they know a lot better than I do, and it's worked excellent. Folks really feel like they're a part of the team. They have a voice. Their voice is heard. It's not just like, yes, do this, yes, sir, no, sir, and then they leave at 459, and it's done. You need somebody that's really a part uh, and buys into that and is willing to uh, be a part of your system. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very true. That's that's a very interesting – I was just, I, you're saying that. I was thinking about the, the voting thing in my office and what that – would do to the <laughs> some of the staff because yeah. I, I think if there was a vote, uh, some of them would be gone, and uh, that's and I wouldn't have to fire them. Hmm. 
Very it's, a, it's an interesting <laughs> process, you know, and it's hard for type A personality folks like myself, maybe other people listening, to let go of that control. And, you know, folks are going to make mistakes, giving them more responsibility, giving, letting them come up with their own ideas. You know, something that I've, I've recently learned about and become a big advocate because it takes a lot of weight off of you. You know, there's all kinds of systems that need to be developed. There's all kinds of decisions that need to be made. And you don't want to have to be involved in every one of those decisions. I mean, sure, you keep you keep one ear open and you just kind of become aware of what's going on. But if they're in the same um, boat with you as far as this mission statement and where you guys are going and everything's very clear, they might make a few mistakes here and there, but they're going to come up with ideas that you wouldn't have thought about. They're going to do things that, um, that I have found to be amazing. I have some wonderful, amazing people working for me, and I'm, and I'm so lucky and so blessed. And without those folks, we wouldn't be where we are today. I uh, just got a comment via uh, email from Ray who says, I don't have a question but a comment, just wanting Mitch to know that I am very, very impressed with his business model, and he gave an excellent presentation at the local RIA meeting last oh, week. Oh, thank you, Ray. <laughs> Keep it up. Uh, next uh, question via email. When you come across a great single-family wholesale or rental property and the owner insists on selling by quit-claim deed, what is your response and course of action? This is from Melinda in Oregon. Okay, so I would get to the root of what their situation is, why they want to sell on quick claim deed, they just want to sell the property. Obviously, you know, probably they have some type of debt in place that you want they want you to deal with. So getting to the bottom of that and what's going on with their debt and what they need and what the real situation is there, I'd probably need a lot more details to be able to answer that question fully. Yeah, Melinda, when somebody says quick claim deed, the first thing that should come to your mind is title search. Yeah. <laughs> because there's yeah. there's some reason here that 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 I, I I assume this doesn't happen to you commonly, but that it has happened to you recently. And anyone who is being very insistent on a quick claim deed, I would I would assume that they've got an unprobated estate, they're in the middle of a divorce, and they don't want their husband to know they're selling the house. Or as Mitch said, there's some big lien sitting on the property that they are expecting you not to find and to um, to take that quick claim deed and therefore take it subject to that that lien. So. And doing any deal, you really got to come to the bottom of what the situation is in negotiation. That's definitely a critical aspect. You know, you need to get a grasp on what the situation is to find out the needs of the seller. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very true. Uh, and one more quick question from uh, Bob in Seattle. Uh, you mentioned seller financing on commercial buildings. Have you done any deals with the seller providing, say, 20 to 30% down and a bank financing the balance? Are banks willing to go that route or are they requiring the new owner to have cash in the deal? They're going to want to see that you have cash in the deal. Some of the local banks would be willing to talk to you about that and require less cash from you in doing that by putting the lender, uh, obviously the lender will be first, but by putting the seller second behind them that gives them you know some security um, but they're still going to want to see money in the deal and, and it's rare to get under 20 percent of you into it maybe you could convince them say hey I can convince the seller to take back 20 percent and I want to put down 10 percent you have 30 percent instead of 20 um, but that's all about developing a great relationship with your local banks and and being able to uh, have have some folks that trust you very good you're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today is Mitch Painter of the Painter Development Group. He's just really here to answer your questions about how he got where he is and how his business operates. 772-9658 or 877-772-9658 are the numbers to call or send us an email at askvina at gmail.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today is Mitch Painter of the Painter Development Group here in Cincinnati, Ohio. And we're just kind of talking about how 
successful investors do it. Everybody's got a different way, different systems, different career path, different preferences as to the types of properties and where they are and so on. And we're just talking to Mitch about what his are. We're also taking your calls, although you only got about like 10 more minutes at this point at 772-9658 or 877-772-9658. Or you can send us an email by uh, sending it to askvina at gmail. Dot com And Mitch, I have a strange email here that I assume that you will understand that I do not. It is from Riley, and it says, will you give me a shout-out? Yes, that is an old high school friend of mine. Chris Riley is doing amazing things, so there's a shout-out. Yeah, I, I, based on the email, I thought that perhaps it was like... Chris Riley, everyone. A, your child or something. It was no. like a five-year-old. No kids for me. <laughs> Getting an email from, okay. Uh, you can send your emails to askvina at gmail.com, or you can give us a call at 772-9658 or 877-772-9658. Now, Mitch, it's, it's clear that your your people, your staff and your partners and so on, are the most important thing to you about your business are there other resources that that you just can't live without? And of course, we can't get into like specifics of you know this this bookkeeping system or or whatever. But uh, yeah, what what else is it that kind of makes your business run? Well, the people definitely are, are such a big part of it. You know, um, also we use a lot of private investors. So you know, private investors that fund fund our projects, fund some of our buildings that we buy. We can't, uh, we don't have the money to buy everything we want. And so when we don't, we use private investors and pay 10% uh, return on our money, so uh, return on their money and secure that with a mortgage. So that's another big piece of the puzzle when folks looking to start out, you know, maybe thinking, yeah, it's great that I want to buy this big apartment building, it's a million dollars, I don't have $200,000 to put up. Don't limit yourself by not having that money, and I've never limited myself by that. So what I did is went to friends and family and found private investors that would, would lend me that money and um, use that for the down payment. So, you know, there's a lot of ways where there's a will, there's a way. So I would encourage folks to to explore that that possibility. Um, and there's, there's a ton of other things, you know, efficiency, learning to build a, a company that's extremely efficient. That's why the whole green thing that we've done recently has been, has been great for us. It's, it's not only the right thing to do, but it's, um, has saved us a lot of money on our heat bills and on our water bills or utility bills. And, um, I think increased revenues, uh, uh, we found that tenants have responded to that and want to live in a place that's, that's green versus uh, a place that's not, um, setting ourselves aside. Uh, apart from from the standard apartment um, complex, so you know we offer recycling, we offer composting at a lot of the buildings. We offer um, uh, a lot of different things. We use recycled materials for a lot of our projects. We recycle a lot of our construction debris. You know the cardboard when you're ripping down doors or uh, unpackaging materials. The five gallon buckets of mud that you're that you're using can be rinsed out and recycled. There's a lot of stuff. Uh, both at in your business and your real estate career and at home that that you should be doing to to live a responsible green life and that feeds right into an email we just received from Mike in Covington. He says, "Are you finding that with your green development, people are willing to pay enough extra to account for whatever additional things that you are having to do to make the building green 
Definitely. Uh, it just really depends on how much money you put into that lead certified prog uh, project. So we just take all, most of our projects to the certified level. You can go platinum, gold, you know, you can go up and you can spend a lot of money. So, um, and that often does not return the, the type of money that you need. But with the certified level, you know, we spend two to three percent extra. Uh, and what that does within the city of Cincinnati is it gets you a property tax abatement. If you build a LEED certified house, that property, that house is tax abated for 15 years up to $500,000. Wow. So if you build a single family house here in Cincinnati and you don't do that, it's uh, abated, property taxes are abated up to 256000 for 12 years. So it's a huge difference if you're building in that price range above two fifty. Uh, that uh, that's a big value that your customers are going to see just above the green. You know, there are folks that want houses that are green, and, and knowing that they're green makes them feel good, and they're willing to pay maybe a little bit. But really, for us, it's become the, the tax incentive that's in place that it really is uh, is sellable. You know, folks can afford a house that's uh, close to hundred grand more, um, not having that property tax bill every month. So that that's been great. But there are uh, is a big market, I think, for folks that that um, are environmentally conscious. And um, when products don't come from China or California, they come from local distributors. There's a lot less carbon footprint. Um, when the contractor was environmentally conscious, they have a lot better air quality, HVAC system. The quality in, of the air in the house is going to be better. Their utility costs are going to probably be half of what they normally are. Uh, the 4,000-square-foot house that we're building right now is estimated at a $140 uh, monthly utility bill. Most 4,000 square feet house in Cincinnati, you'd probably spend five to eight hundred dollars a month, just because they're old buildings. So, um, there's a lot of stuff that could be done. Uh, Gerald, who does not identify where he is from, says, "How do you overcome the fear of investing? I've purchased 15 to 20 guru courses and have not gotten anywhere. Am I seeking too much information, or is fear taking over and stopped me from moving forward?" Gerald, you just need to jump forward and do it. Um, you've got plenty of information, plenty of knowledge. You just need to take that leap and do your first few deals. I would highly recommend you start off in wholesaling. You know, uh, definitely take some courses with Vina or someone that can teach you, you know, a little bit more. But you you need to, to just jump in there and do it. There comes a time where you have to push fear aside and you just have to move forward. We're not here that long. You might as well make the best of it and, and, and make a go of it. You know, and wholesaling deals, you don't lose anything. So you're finding a property, you're getting a contract signed on it with the right to sign that contract and you have the right to get out of that contract if you can't assign it. Nothing lost, you know, and, and you'll learn and grow. So my recommendation to you would be start with wholesaling and, and do some of those wholesale deals. Get those under the, your belt. Start to learn about how to estimate costs. Get out there in the field and out of the virtual world of your CDs and books and get in the real world and do some things. And in fact, I'll take it a step further, Gerald, and say you are hereby forbidden to buy any additional courses, including any of mine. Until you go out and do a deal, there's no way unless you have unless you have stumbled across fifteen or twenty really bad courses. <laughs> there, there is, and, and it's not that there aren't that many in the country, and it's possible that you have, but I kind of doubt it. And uh, you, you have more more than enough information. And this whole business of well, if I just learn the next thing, I won't be scared anymore. Never happens. Never, never met anybody, no matter how much they've spent on education that has finally read that sentence that made them go, oh, that's why I don't need to be afraid of any of this. So no more courses. Go make offers. And you're going to make mistakes. That's going to happen. But get find a mentor in your area, someone close by that is experienced, that's willing to kind of help you walk through the deals. You might be able to find another wholesaler or someone like that and just offer them a 
part of the deal and just, you know, let them walk you through it. That could be a big help, but you need to get out there and start doing something. Mm-hmm. Very, very true. Uh, okay, a question from Dorn in Indianapolis. Uh, he says, have you ever dealt with renting apartments or houses by the room, uh, for instance, the way Nick Sidoti, who's been a guest here on Real Life Real Estate, does? Um, I don't. Uh, I never have. I see that as kind of m- micromanaging in a way and just more oversight, more management required. So, you know, the cost of that extra management and oversight and all those different leases and uh, people not getting along, I've, I've just never gone down that path. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, question from Jerry. And, and by the way, folks, now that we're not using the com site anymore, it's not, it, we're, it, there's no place where it's requiring you to put in where you're from. Please tell us where you're from when you send us emails at askvina at gmail.com. Jerry would like to know what entity setup are you using? Corporation, LLC, or question mark, or is it multiple entities for the multiple businesses? Sure, Jerry. Yeah, multiple entities. I use uh, LLCs, limited liability companies, to um, hold all my large buildings, and I create a separate one for every large building. When I started off buying two families and three families, I'd put maybe 10 15 at the most into one and then I'd start another but now with buying large buildings I do a separate LLC for each large building that way if a tenant slips and falls at one of the buildings they can't go after your other assets they can only go after that one asset there's a lot of other things and we could talk for hours about that I use a corporation for my management company and my management company oversees you know and manages and that is a good tax thing to do um, but definitely use an LLC to hold your properties and make sure that your statutory agent of record is your lawyer and that your name is nowhere on the public record. Mm-hmm. And Jerry has one more quick question, which is going to have to be real quick because we only got about a minute left. Uh, are you in your wholesaling business a dealer according to the IRS? No. <laughs> I like to believe that I'm not a dealer. You'd have to ask my accountant. Get a great accountant and, and figure that out. But from what I've, I'd like to believe that I'm not. Okay, very good. And you've been listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. My guest today has been Mitch Painter of the Painter Development Group. Don't forget the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati's annual trade show a week from tomorrow. More information at CincinnatiRIA.com. We'll be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing. Happy investing.